Hey guys, it's Amy Noble. I am a holistic dating coach and founder of Love Amy. You can find everything you need to know about me, including my cell phone number at loveamy.co. Hope you enjoy this episode. Yay, I couldn't be more excited for our next guest, Emily Pereira. She is somebody who I met in person in Costa Rica recently, and she's just an incredible bright light and amazing soul. And I know you guys are going to be so excited to connect with her. She is an international retreat leader. She's a best-selling memoirist of The Quest, which you have to like literally write that down, The Quest, and get it immediately. It is her (laughs) story. And she's a master coach, and she helps women create the love, business, and lifestyles of their dreams. She lives in Santa Teresa, one of my favorite spots. I've been there five times in Costa Rica. So welcome, Emily. Oh, hi, Amy. So wonderful to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's just an excuse for us to connect because we are soul sisters and we knew it the minute we met. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for connecting us. Yes, Rebecca Foster, we love you. And we're all kindred souls and soul sisters on so many levels. That was when you know, you know, it was such a beautiful moment on that beach when we just saw each other and <laughs> exchanged stories. So to that end, I would love for you to share because it is your memoir. It is how you came, how you stepped into this next beautiful version of yourself. And I would love for you to share with our audience what your story is and, and what it was all about because it's so amazing. Oh my goodness. Well, as you know, it's a big story. I mean, so big, in fact, that I ended up writing a 412-page memoir about it. And that first book, The Quest, is in a series of three. So I'm working on the second one right now. Uh, I can't wait. I literally can't wait for the second one. (laughs) But I'm going to try to wrap it up and put it into a beautiful small blue box with a white ribbon around it. So, you know, my journey, my quest, as I like to call it, began, as many do, in the great in the face of great despair. So it was really the type of despair where you just are sure you've made horrible mistakes and completely ruined your life and there's no coming back from it. And, you know, I just, even now, I just reflect back to that time in my life. It was my late 20s and still I have not had a moment like that since. And after the first breakdown that leads you to the spiritual path, you never have a breakdown like that again. Right. So. Like the dark night of the soul, I guess. Like is, the dark is... night of the soul. Yes, it was, mm-hmm. it was truly that. And now I know that, you know, that was actually all part of the divine plan, but mm. I had no awareness back in, gosh, this was like 2006. I was in my late twenties and my life looked really good on paper. You know, mm-hmm. I, I say that because Instagram was not a thing yet. And <laughs> I was selling what Time Magazine had hailed as the cure for cancer. I was living in this beautiful penthouse on the beach in LA with my internet tycoon boyfriend who just sold his company for half a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And I you know, had a closet full of designer clothes and shoes that I'd wear to parties, events, and vacations all around the world. Ah, even when I say it now, it still sounds pretty good. I mean, it's everyone listening is like, um, yeah, that's kind of on my vision board. <laughs> yeah, it sounded good, right? And that's what I was striving for because I had been, I'd led to believe that if I had those external things, then I would be happy. And it was confusing because I knew deep in my heart something was off. 
Like mm-hmm. something big felt like it was missing, but I was receiving so much external validation for what I had that I didn't dare admit, even really to myself, that it wasn't enough. And so in my limited scope of consciousness, like the man was the problem, right? Like he wasn't doing enough for me. He wasn't doing right. enough for me. And I started future tripping. It was like, oh, when I get the ring, I'll be happy. Oh, yep. when we take a trip around the world, he's been promising me, then I'll be happy. And that was kind of like this moving target, right? I never quite got what I thought was going to be my salvation. Right, and, right. And you were always looking outside. Always, always looking outside. Yeah. Didn't even yeah. know there like, kind of wasn't inside, you know? Like it was, yeah. um, and, you know, and the world was a very different place. We didn't have podcasts like this one. We didn't have inspirational messages on Instagram. We didn't have, there was no one else I could look to, to be like, oh, that person, I relate with that person's story. And now she's in a different place and I can get to a different place too. Right. You probably were walking around subconsciously thinking like, well, there's something wrong with me because (laughs) hello. I was. And I just, and I just felt like it was such a you know, looking back on it, it was such a narrow consciousness. And, um, mm-hmm. and I really just was pinning all of my happiness kind of on this man in this relationship. Yeah. And I was getting so much of my identity from him at that time. And um, the whole thing came crashing down when I found out that he had cheated on me. We've been together for about six years. Mm. My best friend married his best friend. You know, I really was like expecting to get engaged any day. Yeah. And I found out that he cheated on me and I just went into like truly, truly such a dark place. I shrunk down to 92 pounds. I couldn't sleep without pills Mm. all over my body that no doctor could explain. And part of what made it so heartbreaking was I didn't just lose my man, my home and my lifestyle, but I also lost all my friends. Wow. They all all quietly picked him. Mm. And even my best friend from boarding school that that married his best friend. Like it just oh was the occasional like Sunday brunch invite, but like all the birthday parties and vacations and everything. Cause we were in the super tight group of friends that he was always invited to all of those. I things. mean, that's like the most massive downward spiral. Yeah. It was just like this, mm. you know, but now I know <laughs> that, you know, back then really, I guess is a better way to say it, but I didn't understand that there was this divine intelligence to the wild human experience. Right. And when one door closes, it's because there's another one that's ready to open and life is really about alignment. And so Mm -hmm. when something no longer aligns, it has to break down so Mm -hmm. that new thing can come in and manifest. And in my soul, I was so hungry really to know myself. I was so hungry to know what lit me up inside and what I was here for. Yeah. Well, I ended up going on a journey, a big journey. I call it the quest because it was then that I began to question everything. Right. That I'd ever been. But how did that even start? Because I know there are people listening like, oh my gosh, I can relate to some of these feelings, but how, where did the quest even, how did you even start? Well, so it's interesting. So, you know, right when I was, so I have to backtrack, backtrack a little bit to right after I graduated college, I worked at an art gallery in San Francisco and the woman who owned the gallery was an old family friend. Like I knew her since I was born and we were preparing for a show one night for one of the artists. And she said to me, she says, you know, the artist that we're showing tonight is a clairvoyant energy healer. Mm. And she said, do you want to do a session with him? And I was like, I have no idea what that means, but okay. Yeah. And um, yep. 
And so I did this one session with this man and it totally blew my mind. Like I really had never experienced anything like that in my life. Like I was, he would run his hands over my energy centers and it felt like they were coming out of my body. Mm -hmm. um, he just looked at me and I burst into tears. Like it was just, it was this very physical reaction and experience. And, you know, from a clairvoyant standpoint, he could just read me like a book. Yeah. And so he told me all these incredible things that were destiny paths that were available to me. And then I don't call him for six years and I go down this totally different path. Mm. Um, I should mention too, that while I was in this phase with this man in my twenties, we were escaping our so-called perfect life, like almost every weekend. So even though it sounded and looked really good, oh my gosh, we were partying until the sun came up. Right. So right. It's really a sign of people that are unfulfilled. Right. Um, but, but when you're surrounded, when that is your ecosystem, and you have surrounded yourself with friends, even family, but it, it, that are, you know, immersed in unhealthy habits, it's really hard to see anything else. Totally. And again, I say like we didn't have the internet back in those days. So your your influences, you know, the, the 10 to 50 people that were kind of in your circle, that was just reality. Like that yeah. was just what was true and real. And all of these people that I was, you know, um, running with at that time in my twenties, everybody was super successful entrepreneurs, like mm -hmm. super, super successful entrepreneurs and partied so hard. So it was like, like play work hard, hard, work hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and we were in our twenties and we weren't seeing any of the effects of it really. So much. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so it, didn't, it seemed kind of harmless. Um, so anyways, when it all came crashing down, you know, I had, I had friends and I had family, but the only person that I could really think of that I wanted to talk to that I felt could bring me some sort of solace was this spiritual teacher. Mm -hmm. So it was this energy healer. So I reached back out to him after six years and we set a date to meet. And that began this 11 year, very intensive and extensive apprenticeship with this wow. teacher. Wow. And so, as you know, cause I know you read the book, um, the book, it's this like very entertaining story, but it's also, there's all these life lessons that are woven into it because this teacher is giving me wisdom mm -hmm. about really a new lens of how to see myself and the world Yeah, that completely changed the game for me. And mm. so, yeah, as the reader in the quest, you go through this journey with me. It's not like a how-to book, like this is what you should do. It's, it's a story. Totally. And, and just a question, when you were, you know, really intensely working with him, were you at least at first focused on, I have to find a partner or was it, oh, let me take a step back or was it all of it? It was everything. Yeah, it was, it was everything. But, but at the beginning I was just so heartbroken and um, trying to see if there was even any way back to yeah. this partnership, even though I wasn't happy in the partnership and it was, it was quite over, um, you know, cheating is really just a symptom yes. of yes. the relationship not being cohesive. Vibrationally a match. Yep. Right. And so, but so many things, um, it was really just like starting to give me a different way of understanding myself in the world that we live in. And so, you know, one of the big things that came up that he asked me in one of our first sessions was, what are you doing that's creative? And I remember at the time being like, creative? Like, what the hell does this have to do anything with anything? Yeah. And being like, um, I'm not creative. I remember I said it like real matter of factly, like, like that's not me. <laughs> I'm not creative. Right. And, um, and he, I was like, yeah, I think that gene skipped me. 
<laughs> and he started laughing because he was this incredible artist, right? That had shown his work all around the world. And he said, well, that's pretty funny because creativity is not a genetic thing. It's an energy that's a natural part of being human. Oh, yes. And I just want to pause here because this is such a huge, huge point. I think, you know, when I'm coaching clients to really get out of their own way and get out of their heads, one of the, one of the things we do is one of the questions I ask is who were you when you were seven? Like what were the actual things that you did when you were seven? Right. Did you play in the sandbox? Did you dance? Did you, you know, I played gas station. I don't even, that's kind of messed up. (laughs) I don't don't know really what that means, but, but. Oh my God. I know we played pizza parlor, like with coasters. Yeah, totally. Right. And so getting back to that play and getting back to that effortless judge, you know, non-judgmental place, right. Of, of play and creativity. Absolutely. And so, you know, what's interesting is, so I started to, you know, if, if anyone's living to listen to this podcast, obviously you're somebody that's interested in personal development and expanding yourself and becoming more self-realized and obviously, you know, attracting that soulmate love. And so one of, I started to, you know, get new information about things. And so one of the things that he taught me was, you know, that life isn't happening to me, but life is happening for me. Wow. And, so, and to start taking radical personal responsibility for everything in my life. And so as I started to do that and I started to practice gratitude and I started to practice forgiveness, my life started to change pretty quickly. And in a relatively short period of time, I think it was like a couple years, mm-hmm. I called in love with a very devoted man and I had another beautiful home and I had a dog and all things were going quote unquote well again. And um, I had all the externals of life again. And I literally found myself waking up in the middle of the night, shaking with anxiety. And it was like, I heard this little voice and it was like, when are you going to do something that matters to you? Wow. And it was so unnerving. (laughs) because I was like, I've been doing so many things and now I have to do this too. But it was, it was really my soul speaking to me. And when I expressed that, you know, to the teacher I was working with at the time, he was just like, I really see you need to write your story. He's like, it's going to heal your heart. Even if you never show it to anybody, it's going to heal your heart. And so really then as an experiment, am I a creative person? Because really at that point I had not written anything like anything <laughs> like ever <laughs> and in 11 years, you know, since college. And wow. so, um, you know, I really didn't know where to begin and was thinking like, Oh, maybe I'll do a online program or maybe I'll take like, you know, some sort of extension course at UCLA. And he was like, no, you just give yourself permission to be the beginner. The beginner isn't supposed to know anything. So the beginner can never fail. And And I love this. And I want to just pause for one sec because that's such a huge point is, and I always say, you can always begin again. You can always begin again. But I love, talk for a second about the beginner mindset. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, it is so liberating really, because as children, if you think about it, you were just talking about it, right? We're, we're beginners in everything that we do. And so creativity soars. There's this organization it's called creativeminds.org. And they report that children of five operate with 85% of their creativity. And by the time it gets to by the time children get to 12, it goes down to 2%. Oh. 
And oh, so wow. the question is, why is that, right? Like it's because there's a right answer. We get into school, we want gold stars, we want pats on the head. And so, you know, I can speak from my own journey. You know, if we get validation for certain things as we go through life, we sort of naturally start to gravitate to doing those things that we're yeah. good at. And, and we're told that we're good at things, right? Yeah, like, like you're, you're not good at math, but you're good at writing or you're a real numbers person. You're not creative, right? So we end up, I mean, I talk to women all the time. You know, I talked to a woman the other day and she's like, well, I've been in PR my whole career and I hate it. But one of my teachers had said to me, that's, that's the direction you should go. Right. Yeah. Somebody, some potentially insignificant person comes along and says something like that and then it can shape our entire lives and um so by the time we get to our 30s 40s and beyond we may have lives that look really good but they don't mm -hmm. feel that good right and we're like why is that and i really believe it's because we stop giving ourselves permission to be the beginner there yeah. isn't a lot of permission as women in our culture to be in a process. It's like we're supposed to show up and get it right the first time. We're supposed to show up and slay. And if yep. we're going to do that, there's sort of this energy that maybe we shouldn't do it at all. Maybe no, I remember being allowed like, to do it. I mean, I think I raised my hand and asked a question for the first time in college. Like, I'm not even kidding because we're conditioned to just no, you know, we're supposed to know it all. And if we ask, we're weak. And I think that is such a, it's a practice, right? It's a practice to be the beginner. Totally. It's a, it's absolutely a practice. And I'm certainly no master beginner, but I have found that the more that I give myself permission to be the beginner, it is so liberating and my life expands in so many ways. And so really with that mindset of, I'm just going to be the beginner. I'm just going to have fun. I remember I set an intention. It was like, I give myself permission to be the beginner, have tell the truth and have fun. Mm. And I started writing and I was amazed that by suspending judgment, the words flowed freely. And I had a few sentences and then a few paragraphs. And then I had a freaking chapter. I'm like, oh my God, who am I? What's happening? Wow. Wow. And, and then I just, it felt so good. I literally had a moment that first week when I was writing where I started crying and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be okay. I'm wow. going to be okay. And wow. That writing, you know, I always say that writing is the gateway drug to all creativity because it doesn't matter if you actually put fingers to keyboard or pen to paper, you tell stories to your friends yeah. and family all the time. And so that writing really like burst open some sort of dam inside of me. And I started to play guitar and sing and write songs. I started to paint paintings. I took improv classes. I started dancing burlesque. Like, oh, that's amazing. The it was just so crazy. It was just, and I, cause I just started being like, well, I can just be the beginner. I can just be the beginner. It felt like I suddenly had this superpower. <laughs> right. Right. And also you're now operating from how something feels like how you are feeling. And, and I, were you, were you starting to feel good? Were you starting to feel good oh, for no, no reason? <laughs> well, this is okay. So I'd been doing spiritual work, quote unquote work for two years up until this point, maybe two and a half years. And so this is always like, if you've been doing spiritual work for a long time and you feel like it hasn't really shifted you to that next place that you want to go, it's time to add the creative. The yep. creative is absolutely like the rocket ship that is going to take you to the new horizon that you've been wanting to get to. And I'll explain oh why gosh. that is. Totally. Uh, even, even if you haven't gone down a spiritual path yet, that can be the first step too, right? That can be that automatic writing and it's your higher self kind of starting to pop through if you really let I, it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and in my experience, this is really when 
big, big shift started to happen. So I really didn't understand up until that point how closely intertwined the spiritual and the creative are. The creative self literally is the spiritual self. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. So in those moments, like as I was doing all of those new things, like as amazing as it was just to be inspired, you know, so if you look at the word inspire, inspiration, that's in spirit. So when uh, we create- I like never knew that until you said that the other day. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so um, really that's how spirit comes in. And so when spirit's not there, like in the body, we're operating from the mind and the mind is very easily controllable and manipulated by all the propaganda and the programming and everything that's in our culture. But when we connect in with spirit, oh my gosh, are we enough? Oh my gosh, does it feel good? Yeah. And so the mm. first tangible things I started to notice were my resting thoughts really started to shift. It was less about what I need to do more of, what I'm not doing enough of, how I'm not enough, what other people have, like all of that just sort of melted away. And my thoughts became more like, oh, that'd be a cool way to connect those two chapters. Oh, that's that's a cool mm. color. I want to put that in a painting. Or I'm like, am I hearing a melody in my head right now? That could be a song, you know, like oh. the resting thoughts were inspired thoughts. And my nervous system just started, obviously the, the parasympathetic nervous system got activated and I just felt so much more calm and just yeah. so much relaxed and just enjoying of the moment. Oh my and gosh. Wait, I just want to pause because I, I want you to, we were talking the other day about the difference in your, in, the differences in your internal voice in your head. And yes. I talk to my clients a lot about this because one thing that meditation actually really taught me is that I am not the voice in my head. Mm -mm. And that's kind of, that was like a revelation to me because I think we grow up thinking if that voice says, Ooh, you don't look, ew, you shouldn't wear that. You don't look good in that. We actually think that's our, our intuition telling right. us that we don't look good and we shouldn't wear that. But really I want you, the way you explained it to me the other day was so brilliant. Um, so just how, how, you know, wh whether it's your intuition talking versus a voice in your head is the voice that's not yours is going to use the language of should. Yeah. Like you should be doing this. You should be doing that. You should not Whereas, be doing that. Right. Or you should not be doing that. You should not be wearing that. Um, whereas intuition is going to ask you questions. Mm. It's going to feel expansive. Mm -hmm. It's going to feel like just this feeling inside, it, it may feel a little scary because intuition is spirit. It's, it's going to be leading you to a place where you are going to expand and be able to become self-realized. Wow. Yeah. Oh gosh, I have chills. I have chills. This is big, big stuff. Yeah. And so in those moments of inspiration, I felt connected to who I am and why I'm here. And so that transformed the resentments because let me tell you, I've been carrying around like a 10 piece luggage set of resentments for the ex-boyfriend <laughs> and the ex-friends. Right? <laughs> um, and all of that alchemized into gratitude because I saw that I had to actually take all of those steps. I had to take all of those really painful steps to get to this moment where there was no place I'd rather be. Oh my gosh. And I just want to pause here for one second because here's the thing. It's not like a brand new you know, career magically appeared. And it's not like, it's like, but you, you innately knew that that was, you didn't know what the end was going to be, but you knew you were on the right path. Is that right? Yes. I just knew I felt good yeah. in the moment. Right. Yeah. 
felt yep. good in the moment. No longer did I feel like I was striving. And that's not to say there weren't still things that I wanted. I was, I was in a soulless career that I really was, had grown out of many years before, but it felt like golden handcuffs because I, you know, had a certain lifestyle, making, <laughs> money. Mm-hmm. making money and, yep. you know, nice house and being able to travel and all those things. So all of this I was doing on the side of my career. Wow. And, um, and I just felt a deep connection to the self that I'd never felt before. And, you know, I am a a love coach. I help women call love into their lives. And truly the piece that I think is a real, um, shocker to most of the women that come to me is that they find that the quest for love is truly the quest for soulmate love with the self. Yeah. I didn't know that. (laughs) And (laughs) this led me to was that this true like love affair with the self. And I was amazed that, you know, as I kept going through these different unknown sort of gates into new territory, um, and I was giving myself permission to be the beginner, my beliefs started to go up. My confidence went up. It was like, okay, well, I can do this thing I don't know how to do, and I can get to the other side and feel so expanded. Because really, when we do something we've never done before, you know, they always say the magic happens at the edge of the comfort zone. Mm. It's like, how do you get to the edge of the comfort zone? It's so scary. Well, the bridge is being the beginner. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Amazing. Because really, in my experience, the comfort zone is very uncomfortable. You're going to be uncomfortable either way. You're going to be uncomfortable in the comfort zone or you're going to be uncomfortable outside of the comfort zone because inside the comfort zone is stagnation. And that's a horrible feeling. So outside outside the comfort zone, you're going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but then there's this massive expansion that happens. And then when the expansion happens, that's how the light can come in. Mm. Oh, my gosh. And talk just for a moment about vulnerability, because I, I, I really work with my clients on the importance of being vulnerable to get to where they want to go instead of, because I hear them say a lot, well, I'm not going to waste a ton of time, you know, getting opening up and cracking open and being vulnerable unless I know it's worth it. So show me the right path and then I'll get vulnerable. And I always say it's the exact opposite right? Well, I mean, yeah, vulnerability is very important. I think the pl- the best place to start is getting vulnerable with yourself. Yeah. Right? So first getting vulnerable on the page, you know, writing down your innermost truest thoughts and feelings. And fears. And, yep. And fears, everything, like really tune in to the self about what, what being real and with yourself about what's coming up for you. I remember back in those days, I couldn't really get real with myself. You know, I, I, yeah. it was, I was too scary to get real with myself about what I really wanted. And so I think the first step is getting real with the self. And then also, you know, if you have a friend, if you have like a girlfriend and can you get a little more vulnerable with her? Yeah. And yeah. you see how that feels. And, you know, you can take baby steps and get used to it and realize that it's not quite so scary. And then, you know, for, for a date, you can absolutely get vulnerable, but it's less about is he worth it and more can he handle it? Because mm-hmm. the experience of a man that he can't handle someone else's vulnerability and then the woman somehow thinks that she's done something wrong. Yes, totally. I, I, and, I couldn't agree more. And that's not the case at all. And so it's like, and that's where intuition comes into play. And so really becoming, tapping into this natural intuitive essence that is very feminine is really a big part of the quest. It's a big part of the journey. Oh my and, gosh. Yes. I have like a million questions. Yes. <laughs> 
And, you know, as I was going through that sequence, just to circle back to that, just to close that part of the story is, um, you know, as I was going through these different, you know, doors of fear, my belief in myself went up. And I noticed that as my belief in myself went up, my competition with women went down. It was like a mm. seesaw and it was very dramatic. And I had this revelation that, oh my gosh, like anytime a woman does feel closed off or does feel you know, vibey, you know, you walk into a room and women like don't want to say yep. hello, welcome you, whatever. She just doesn't feel like she's enough. Yeah. And so yep. I knew in that moment that my work would be around helping women, helping wow. women discover their essential selves, their creative selves, helping women know that they are enough. Like literally it is our God-given birthright to love and be loved. Absolutely. Because the sexiest thing that you can be is a woman that can accept her whole self. Exactly. Uh, yes. Uh, is, and who walks in a room and is like, we all have that friend who walks in the room and she is so high vibing and has zero to do with what she looks like, how old she is, where she lives or what she does. It has nothing to do with that. It nothing. all boils down to energy and vibration. 100%. I was just having this conversation with a, one of my girlfriends the other day in the waves. Cause I, we know some very, very beautiful, like ex model kind of women in this town and they're single and there's women that wouldn't be deemed as the classically, you know, on the magazine beauty, traditional beauty type of look. And they're madly in love. And it is a vibe. It well, is a vibe. It's, it comes it's a from vibe. the and, Yes. And it's those people who you're like, oh, like one of the, um, one of the questions I ask on my infamous really long intake form is who's the luckiest person, you know, and why do you think they're lucky? Right. Mm. And it's, it's another trick question. I have a few sprinkled in and it's, I love that question. Yeah. Because we're baffled by that person. We're like, I don't get it. I'm not quite sure, but I just know everything goes their way. It's energy. It's energy. And everybody has access to their own highest vibration. And you get there by all of the things that you're beautifully talking about. And, and you also get there by, you can turn you can wake up in a really dark place and you can literally change your vibration by dancing to your favorite song, by, like you said, like tapping into your creativity, tapping into what sparks joy for you. And um, I want to go back to your story because it, it is fascinating, but, but I wanted to just sort of say that. Yeah, no, absolutely. We do. We, there's a moment, you know, especially when you start doing this work, when you realize that you have more power than you think you do. And that yes. power is the power of choice. Yes. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling the best right now. What are some tools I have? Like when women work with me by the end, they have a toolbox full of spiritual tools that they can use at any moment. And I use those tools still all the time after 15 years on this path. Totally. So ingrained in my life. It's not like, okay, which tool do I need? It's just, okay, I'm just doing this. Um, but absolutely. And so just that, that first tool too, of just realizing like, I have a choice in this moment. What can I do to shift my energetic frequency? Even before this podcast, okay, this morning, like <laughs> my husband's car broke down. Um, so I had to take the kids to school in a taxi. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, everything was just like off, you know, and I had 15 minutes before this podcast, I got on the trampoline and I just blasted music and just got myself yeah. into super, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. All is well. Oh you know, my gosh. Just, I love this so much. You are going to laugh so hard. I was dancing to my, one of my favorite, like high vibe songs, like roar by Katy Perry. And I was in my kitchen, just like a child dancing. So we were both probably doing that at the exact <laughs> same time. Oh my God, that's so 
fun. I was listening to um, like Limbo Stick by Harry Belafonte. Oh my God, that's amazing. Okay, so spoiler alert. Now you have to finish your story because everyone's like, wait a minute, she's married and has kids. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, many, many moons have passed and many things have happened. But um, so through this journey, I started working with women and I started leading retreats. And one time I was on a retreat in Costa Rica, sitting on my surfboard on the last day. And I just felt a feeling of such incredible elation. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am never happier than I am when I'm in Costa Rica. Oh, I, I'm the same way. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of whispered to the wind. It sounds super cheese, but this is how it went down. I was like, I don't know how. And I don't know when, but I'm going to live here someday. Oh my gosh, I, I have full body chills. <laughs> and then I caught a wave and just, you know, cruised on and forgot about that moment. Well, about three months later, I got this very clear hit of intuition. And it was like, go to Santa Teresa, go now and go alone. And it was just like calm, quiet voice. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's my it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I was like, let's do it. And so I came back to this town that I hadn't been to in 16 years. Oh. And it was the place I remembered loving the most in Costa Rica when I backpacked through here when I was 23. And I had this wild whirlwind of, uh, you know, kind of adventure while I was here. And, and how old are you now in this moment? I, it was right at my 30th birthday. So I okay. just had turned 38. So maybe like, I remember I landed on Valentine's Day actually. <laughs> so my birthday is February 7th and I landed on Valentine's Day. So I came one week after my birthday and I, there was like no place left to stay. Cause I was like a last minute, you know, booking. And so there was this place in town. It was like way out of my budget, but I was like, okay, I just, I have to go. I'm doing this. And one day I was walking to town and I bumped into Marcella, the owner of the cabinas. And she and I had gotten close. She was going through a divorce and I'd been like, and she calls me over to talk to this guy and she goes into this very effusive and very long-winded introduction. It was very complimentary, but also slightly embarrassing. And the guy, who was really cute, by the way, had this energy of kind of like looking at his non-existent watch, you know, it was like <laughs> really disinterested and like, you know, whatever, I got to go. And then he opens his mouth to speak and there's this thick French accent and I'm like, oh, French, okay. <laughs> I'll listen for a moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also French, you know, they're kind of known to be sort of rude. So I was like, okay, that will, okay, French. I'm just going to mosey on. Oh, and that's so funny. I cruised on and um, forgot about that. And then a couple of days later, I was on the path to go surfing and the waves seemed really big and windy. And I was really trying to get up my courage. It was like, um, on the one side, it was like the angel, be the beginner. You got this girl. And on the other side, it was like, you're going to die. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I'd be um, on the, I'd be on the die side every time. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden I hear this voice. It's like, Emily, you are Marcella's friend, no? And I turned to look and it was the guy from the other day. Uh. And I was like, hi and he's like how does it look and i was like ah a little windy you know kind of trying to play it cool <laughs> and he's like i think it will be good and something about the way he said that kind of made me feel like he was like kind of encouraging me to go with him and so i he walked kind of ahead of me and then i kind of followed him and he turned around to look at me and i gave him this little wave <laughs> Oh my gosh. Next thing I know, we're surfing together. A sunset surf turns into a dinner date, which turns into um, 
you know, we're like surfing together for a few days and then it turns into an invitation to an ayahuasca ceremony, which turns oh, you into know, a casual and ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> and then um, turns into an invitation to extend my ticket and we take the surf trip around the country. Wow. And then when he dropped me off at the airport, he invited me to come back and live in the jungle and make a bebe. Oh my God. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you know, this is just the usual story. <laughs> now, let me let you know, I'd been living in LA dealing with all sorts of Peter Pans and fuck boys. So I was like, um, is this guy for real? No, seriously. Um, it literally sounds like it's like out of a Harlequin like romance novel. Like, oh, <laughs> let's make a baby. <laughs> well, the English. Okay. The reason <laughs> that it was so like direct is because the English was not so good at the time. Our, our communication was like, Franglish, Spanish, like all the things. And so he's like, just, he's like, you know, he's like, I had been waiting for you for years because I think actually the ayahuasca ceremony, if we hadn't done the ayahuasca ceremony, it would not have progressed quite so quickly. But in the ayahuasca ceremony, he had seen, he said he saw me. He saw like (gasps) all these versions of me and he saw many, many of my lifetimes. And he's like, I saw you as an Egyptian queen. I saw you as a little girl. I saw you as an old lady. I saw you as, you know, he saw all these parts of me and so yeah, we'll do a whole nother episode on just you know <laughs> that topic <laughs> but I wasn't as sure as he was because he had seen all these things my ceremony was it was very powerful it taught me it told me I wanted to live in Costa Rica but it I didn't really go as deep because I was like I'm you know I'm on an ayahuasca date with this guy I don't want to be like puking the whole time so I, was like, I went a little lighter yeah and so um I go back to LA and I'm sitting on my couch and it was like this beautiful white couch. I remember how important it was to me when I bought it and my beautiful bungalow filled with all these paintings and all my beautiful clothes and all my stuff. And I just was like, it's just stuff. I was like, I, I don't, I'm like missing the juicy papaya life of the jungle. Like this, this feels like a stale cracker, like this life here in the city. Like I just, I felt so done with it. Like I'd been there for 15 years and the chapter just felt closed. And um, I wasn't sure if he was the one, but I was sure that I wanted an adventure. So I called him up and I was like, Hey, are Disco and I, that's my dog. I'm like, are Disco and I still invited to come live with you in the jungle? And he was like, of course, darling, I'm waiting for you. Um, so it's been seven years, oh. and seven and a half years since that moment. And we now have two babies. Wow. And we have a beautiful retreat and wellness center here in Costa Rica. We receive groups. We lead our own retreats. Mm-hmm. And it has been the wildest ride. <laughs> like it has been all the things. And wow. we have a crazy synergy. We have a really beautiful and crazy synergy. And we're, we're incredible partners. We also have a lot of challenge because he's French and I'm American and, you know, I can commit like five faux pas before I even have my celery juice in the morning. I mean, now, now we're used to each other, but in the beginning, it was sure, like, sure. It was really different um, cultures, but there's so much power and magic in the difference as well. You know? Well, it sounds like you have like a spiritual base together. We do. It's, and that's, that's incredible. That's, that's amazing that you, that you share that. How, how do you, was that pretty immediate that you knew that? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think either one of us would have been attracted to each other actually without that. So right. uh, we both, you know, his, his, our paths are different and, you know, of course are different and our practices, while some of them overlap, there's also been some differences too. Um, I'm deep in the creative and he's very deep in like the vision quests. Like he just completed his, was it? 13 days with next to no food and water in the, in deep nature. 
with no speaking, you know, he's been doing these deep vision quests, a lot of sweat lodge, a lot of plant medicine. Um, so I dabble over in those areas, but yes, we, we have some overlapping and some not, but we know, we know breath work, meditation, surfing, absolutely like is medicine that both of us need. And, um, and yeah, and if we lose each other, you know, sometimes we have lost each other over the years in terms of like, you know, two children and all our projects and everything. And we're like, okay, let's go, let's go eat mushrooms by ourselves in the in the jungle, you know? And we'll right. just like really close out the noise and we'll connect to that deep, beautiful place of spirit. And we're like, oh, we're back. Oh you know? my gosh, that's amazing. I, yeah, I have to call you after this and ask you about that. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I mean, honestly, I was just talking to Aaron Foster um, on a different episode and we were talking about the importance of having that soul connection, whatever that means to you, you know, and it, it's not about the package. It's not about what things look like. It's the feeling. It's, mm-hmm. it's the feeling and being open to the path in front of you and being open to the idea that the path is going to lead you somewhere totally different than what you think you should do totally different oh than what, what you, your family I thinks never imagined this reality and it's so much better than what I had envisioned for myself and so right. you know if you happen to be having a breakdown at this moment if you happen to be in that really dark place the darkness is where we plant the seeds yeah. for the new life and so know that life is very cyclical it's not a linear path and so we go in these cycles and even though I always say I've never had a dark night of the soul like that one, that first one. That doesn't mean I still haven't had some really dark moments as well over the last 15 years on the quest. But what I know now is I don't fear them because I know, oh, I know what this is about. Things are breaking apart because there is something new and even better that wants to bloom. Yes. um, Yeah. So so don't fear that darkness. That darkness can actually be, it, it is for you. It is for you. It's really, really hard. I mean, I left a 20-year marriage. We were together for 26 years. There was nothing egregious. There was no real reason to leave, except that I had a very big pull in my soul that there was something else on the other side of this, for both personally and professionally. Like Everything was breaking down at the same time. Yeah. I had a startup that was going south. I My marriage, I had two preteens who were just really pissed. And yeah. I mean, the whole, my whole life felt like it was just in devastation. It's really hard when you're in that dark space to believe that this is happening for a reason. I mean, what, what advice do you give women who feel like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like what, how do you, how do you have that faith? Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like I always say that I think my path would have been less painful had the internet been what it is now, right? Because there's we you, there's so many examples of women yeah. who have made it through that dark night of the soul and gotten to the other side. And so tuning into those channels of people that can inspire you, of people that can hold your hands, work with a teacher, find a teacher that feels aligned with yep. you. Somebody yep. that, you know, somebody like really that isn't there to fix you, but is there to help you find your magic and help you amplify that magic. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. And there are there, you know, there are so many amazing healers and teachers now that you know that that's beautiful. And, and what's one small step? Like, I think everyone is so effort-based. Everyone wants to know the path, but, but what, if you're just really lost and you're listening right now and you're like, you know what, I kind of tried Red's books. I've tried, you know, What's one thing that someone can do differently right now, today, 
to sort of shift their perspective a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would take out a piece of paper and write down all of the wonderful things about yourself, mm. all of the things that you appreciate about you, yeah. all of the quirky, funny, special things that really are so lovable. And, you know, tell your best friends that you're doing an exercise and what are their top five favorite things about you? Yeah. Yep. And keep this list handy, put it on your mirror, look at it every single day, because we have a part of the brain called the reticular activating system. And the reticular activating system is going to amplify whatever gets attention. So in other words, this is like the neuroscience behind what you focus to grows. Yeah. So what you want to do is you want to have that list on your mirror and look at it every day. Right. And then another thing to help increase this even more is to have a bracelet, keep it on one of your wrists. Oh. And then anytime your inner critic wants to show up and interrupt your experience and tell you that you're not good enough, that there's something wrong with you, that you need to be doing more, you want to switch your bracelet to the other side with a statement of gratitude. Mm -hmm. So for instance, it's summer. Let's say you're putting on your bathing suit. You're getting ready to go to the beach. The inner critic wants to come in and interrupt your experience and say all sorts of crazy things. Switch the bracelet to the other side and just say, I am so grateful for this healthy, able body. That allows me to body. Jump yeah. and play and swim and be with my friends and do all of these. Okay. Oh, so I am obsessed with this, by the way. I am obsessed with this tip. If I think this is the one huge, if anyone has this, you know, what they can do right now, that's it's it's that. It's amazing. Yes. And we do this on my retreat. Okay. We because I have this retreat here called the Mermaid Sisterhood. And we do this throughout the retreat. And it's really about soothing the inner critic because the inner critic is holding you back more than anyone or anything in your life. Yes. Yes. This will begin to actually retrain your neural pathways. This isn't about spiritual bypassing. This is about actually retraining your, your neural pathways because when you start looking for what's working, your mind is going to start looking for more of what's working. And this is going to help you with manifestation because when it comes to manifestation, like attracts like. And you have and so to believe. <laughs> you have right? to believe in what you're trying to manifest in your soul. And I just want to add one more thing too because it's part of the puzzle. You know, back in the day when I was first starting to hear about creativity from this teacher that I was working with, you know, I thought creativity is kind of like, okay, that's nice. Kind of like the parsley garnish of a meal. I didn't realize that it's like the whole enchilada. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so the reason for this is, is there's actually this equation. When you give yourself permission to be the beginner, that allows you to access your dormant passions right? Wow. So passion lives within you. We all have God-given talents talents, and, and passions that, that came to us that are our birthright. And passion is like this compass that directs you to your purpose. And so a woman who is alight with passion and purpose, well, she's a pretty sexy woman, well, right? She's unstoppable. <laughs> she's unstoppable. She's very sexy, but she also has a very rare thing and that's called sovereignty because mm. she really enjoys her own company. So she's able to hold for love from a place of abundance rather from a place of lack. Mm. And when you're able to hold desire, because desire is really powerful. It's a very powerful frequency. It's the birthplace of all manifestation. It yep. lets you know where you're headed. Um, but to be able to hold that desire from a place of abundance, from sovereignty, wow, that's when you become super magnetic. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you said that. It's, it, it is so true. And I think just, if you're listening, just recognizing how your thought patterns, are they more, are they coming from lack? 
right? Everybody has love except for me. Oh, I'm behind. I'm behind in love, you know, or are you thinking in terms of abundance? So it's just that lack versus abundance um, is really important to recognize. I think that's so important. Amazing. Amazing. And the Um, magic, the magic abundance bracelet will help you get there. Oh my gosh. I'm literally going to go out and buy all my clients, the magic abundance bracelets. Can we like co-brand them? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Amazing. Well, Emily, I, I just, I'm overflowing with gratitude for you. I know that this episode will help so many women and even just inspire them in, in small or, or really big ways. Um, tell everybody how they can learn more about you because I know everyone's going to be clamoring for it. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, that's right. Yes, of course. Yep. Yeah. So emilyperera.com. My Instagram is emily underscore begins in the spirit of being the beginner. And yeah, come join me for a retreat sometime here in Costa Rica. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm not even kidding. I, I think the early December one is calling my name. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much, Amy. What a pleasure.